We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Okay. Starting last week and moving on for the next two or three weeks, we're setting out what we believe God is saying to us in terms of the next stage, an exciting stage. So Jamie's going to carry on, share with us the next session. Okay, hello everyone. Just doing a little sound check while I'm talking to you. Okay, right. Um, So today I want to talk a little bit about households together with Christ at the centre. But let me start by giving us a little recap where we got to last time. So John spoke last time about this idea of the battle cry. Now, just in case you're not familiar with what a battle cry is, I've got this little clip for us. To the death. For Narnia and for us. So, what a lovely day to be at battle. I'd love to be there. It's a lovely day. So, the essence of a battle cry is the commander or the leader says, now's the time to move forward, and people respond to that. And so, what John was talking about last week was, we feel that God is saying, particularly now is a time to advance. Uh, get out of the trenches, follow him into where he's, where he's leading us. And so... We looked at some of the things that you need to be able to respond to a battle cry. And then I got up and talked a little bit about this idea of being part of a great project. And so in the the story of Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah has the job of rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. But there's a lot of opposition to him doing that. People in the local area trying to confuse the people or intimidate them or even violently attack them while they're doing that job. And there's one point where the enemy decides, let's try and trap Nehemiah by trying to get him to come down and negotiate. And Nehemiah says, I'm part of a a great project. Why should I come down to talk to you? So the essence was, I don't want to get distracted by what you're trying to do because what I'm part of is so immense, so amazing, I want to keep focused on what I'm doing. And so we took a little bit of time thinking about, so what is our project, our great project that he's given us? And so there was three pieces of the puzzle that I feel that we've already got, and there's probably other pieces of the puzzle which we haven't seen yet. And so what we want to do is focus on what we can see at the moment. And so when we talked about this last week, the first one, what, first piece of the puzzle of our great project is 
God is calling us to be households together with Christ at the center. He's calling us to minister the Spirit. And he's calling us to have a sharper witness. We're going to look at these three pieces of the puzzle over the next three weeks. So starting with households together with Christ at the center. When I spoke last time, I said there was three elements to this. So, parents will be released from a sense of failure and embrace the God-given call to lead their families. Households, which comprise of individuals and families of different backgrounds, different stages of lives, will be a place where people express love and new people quickly belong. Households will be a consistent place where we experience his presence and are equipped for reaching out to this world. So let's unpack a little bit more of what we mean by those three things. So parents will be released from a sense of failure and will embrace their God-given call to lead their families. Well, there's a few aspects within that sentence that I want to get across. Failure. Well, as a parent, I started feeling I was failing from the moment my child was born. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I be stricter? Should I be more relaxed? Should I be bothered about this thing or should I not be bothered about them? I'm not doing as well as them. Those parents are doing a much better job. I think I'm reading this book. Well, I'm trying to follow this book. Now I've read this book, and it tells me to do the opposite to what that book did. I don't know if anyone else as a parent has experienced that sense of failure constantly being bombarded at you. Even the fear that my issues will be transferred to my kids. Sometimes that sense of guilt can lead to a shame, which isn't just, I made a mistake, but I am a mistake. And this leads to an attempt to try really hard. I've got to try harder. I've got, oh, if my kid tantrums in front of those people, it reflects badly on my parenting. So I've got to clamp down on them in that setting. It leads to us overreaching. Alternative, you can say, I can't do it. I give up. Just let them do whatever they're going to do. And that's when you begin to vacate the role that God's given us as parents. I can't get it right, so I won't bother. So that's some of the aspects of failure that we might feel at times as parents. But God wants to release us from this. So what is the release? Well, it says in, in Acts 11, it talks about the, have, re- have received the gift of repentance. We don't often think of repentance as a gift, but it is. It sets us free. We can repent, we can turn away from things that we were doing that was wrong. God faces us up to our failings in the order that he can release us from it. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So often we think, oh, I've got to confess, oh, I've done all these sins. I can be free. He died to set me free. 
I don't have to be a victim of my own mistakes and failings because he has set me free. That's release. God forgives us. Out of his love for us, he forgives us. Micah 7, 19. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our wrongdoings from us. What a promise. He promises to release us. We don't have to live in a sense of shame and failure. In Romans 8.1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't stick to me anymore. I can't be held to my mistakes in the past once I've repented because he has set me free from it. And so there's a call for us then to embrace our God-given call to lead our families. And that's our opportunity. I don't have to be weighed down by my mistakes in the past because he's released me, he's set me free, and now I can actually get on with what I'm called to do. I can respond to a battle cry. I've got my weapons and my shield in my hands, and I can hear him, and now I can advance. The next part of Households Together. So households comprising of individuals and families of different backgrounds and stages of life where love is expressed and people are quickly, new people quickly belong. I think God wants to make a beautiful jumble in our households together. I like, if you read in Acts the story of um, Paul in a town called Philippi, first person he meets is this woman called Lydia, who's the seller of purple. I don't know if she had a copyright on purple, but she's the seller of purple. But it was a rich fabric. She, she had a pretty high-end business. She was a businesswoman. The next person we read about is this slave girl that was going around prophesying behind um, Paul. And Paul cast out this demon that was in her, and it really upset her slave owners. She's kind of like the crack-addicted prostitute. So that's the next person that we see here. The third person was the jailer, who was responsible for keeping uh, Paul under lock and key. Well, when God set him f- broke, broke the jail through an uh, earthquake, Paul was, was able to come out, and the jailer was about to kill himself, and Paul said, no, don't do that, we're still here, we haven't fled. He was the third person. Now, it says, just before Paul leaves Philippi, he gathers together with those that had come to know Jesus. You've got a business owner, you've got a crack-addicted prostitute ex-slave, and you've got a jailer. They're not people that would tend to hang out. What a beautiful jumble in that first church in Philippi. Then when you look at uh, Jesus' crew, you've got Simon the Zealot. So the Zealots were the the resistance against Roman occupation. They were the ones 
uh, calculating attacks and sabotage or anything they could do to the Roman occupiers. You also had Matthew the tax collector, who was a collaborator with the Romans, seen as a traitor because he was helping them extract really burdensome taxes off of his own people for the Roman Empire. Those two would not be sitting down and having a beer together, but yet they were both in the same crew. What, would it, what could possibly make them be in the same crew? Christ was at the center of that crew. The early church caught the attention of people in society because they said, how is it these people that can't get along outside the church are laying down their lives for each other inside the church? There was something that was provoking about this beautiful jumble. Be a place where love is expressed. As we see him and we experience him, we are touched by his love for us. That causes something in us to come alive. Something is put inside of us that has to find his expression outwards. We're transformed to be more like him. We desire to be more like him. We're enabled to love like him. And John 15, 12 says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Wow. How has he loved us? Laid his life down for us. That's how we're being measured to love. And that's what's gonna, what it's going to look like in these households. New people quickly added. I don't believe it's going to take years for people that are coming into contact with us now to become part of us. I think it's speeding up all the time. We're meeting people that are doing the Alpha course within a week. In, in, in the old days, you had to really work at it and build relationship and kind of hide the fact that you're a Christian until they kind of, you lure them into a false sense of security and they go, boom, I'm a Christian. <laughs> now, I, I, think, I think people are going to be meeting us one day, giving their life to Jesus the next day and becoming part of us the day after that. I think that's the speed that God has for us in this great project that he's called us to. These households will be inclusive. They'll be looking out to draw others in. And I think it'll be intentional. There'll be decisions. All right, how do I make sure my life overlaps with your life? What can I do about it? And that's, that'd be something to mark these households. Households will be a consistent place where we experience his presence and get equipped to reach out. So, we experience him together. I always love that bit in, towards the end of Luke when those two disciples met the risen Jesus. They said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he spoke? That's my, that's my expectation. As we mix with those in our households, we'll be able to say to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we met with the presence of God there right with us. There'd be something unifying when we experience God together. It won't just be in Bible studies or worship. 
but even when we're eating together or mocking each other in loving ways or working and living alongside each other. Sometimes it would just be that little bit of insight that you get towards that person that you love and you care for that unlocks something for them. And you say, wow, God just did something in that moment. The presence of God is here. Sometimes it will be just that little act or that gift that you get someone that just reveals the heart of God in a way that's not just, oh, that person did a nice thing, but wow, God just reached through you and touched my life. In Acts 2 and Acts 4, we see the early church experiencing God. So they were filled with awe at signs and wonders. The grace of God was at work powerfully in them all. It talks about great power, great grace. They were experienced the presence of God, but it was in the context of them being together. They were in one heart and mind. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The outpouring of the power of God that they experienced was in the context of them being together. (coughs) Coming together, that's where God touched down. They weren't chasing a cloud somewhere else. They were committed to who God had put them with and that's where his power was poured into them, causing them to love each other. And being equipped for outreach. I keep using the phrase of the spirit within breaking out. We've heard stories about people having words of knowledge for strangers. You think, I, I didn't know that person, but the God that's residing in me does know that person, and sometimes he reaches out from me and touches a life that I couldn't have touched even if I wanted to. There will be an experience that we get as we come together in this great project that God has for us where we will be like those in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8 when Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. I want to be used by God. I want to, to have the Spirit within break out and touch a world that desperately needs to know him. I want to do that in partnership with you guys. I want us to be spurred on by each other's stories. I want us to be close enough that your friend becomes my friend, that your victory becomes my victory. I think this is part of the great project that God has for us. So what might this look like? Well, um, I'm going to ask a few questions of some folk um, now. James, could you go get Debs? Um, Laura. Laura, come, come over here, Laura. So there's four people. Well, I don't know, am I doing Mark or Daniel? Okay, yes. So how have we come up with this concept of households together with Christ at the centre? we're kind of reading what it seems that God's already doing. 
This wasn't anyone's particular idea, but sometimes you look around and you think, oh, oh, well, this is coming up from all different, different areas of life. Maybe God's up to something here. So, Laura, come stand next to me. All right, so I've been asking Laura some questions um, of what it means to be part of this community. So, Laura, you've been part of this community for, for how long? 20 plus years. So you have two children. Joe is 11. Yes. And Emily is 9? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, right. So, Laura, you are a single parent. Yes. How has being part of this church community made a difference for you? I'm cheating and reading because I might talk too long. There you go. You've got my notes there. <laughs> I think I've got it here. So okay. Thank you. Um, being a single parent, I have many lovely questions thrown at me at any point of the time. We'll admit mainly at bedtime. <laughs> um, obviously, I don't have the partner to kind of work these things through. So I have a um, lovely bunch of friends who, if I'm panicking, I'm thinking, oh, did I say that right? Who will obviously help me through that? Um, and then also not having that part partner, I feel that God's provision is very much there and with me. So you've got this handful of friends around you. How have you seen them invest in your family? Um, I'm sure many of you know we're a very active family. Um, I'm not the strongest swimmer. But Vic came alongside us when the kids were quite small and encouraged us to go swimming, which the kids thoroughly loved. Obviously went on to kind of push me to get them swimming lessons, which again they loved. Um, we are now obviously quite faithful swimmers, Joe loving the deep end. Um, but the payback for Vic is now she gets to take them in the sea when we go on holiday. Um, then um, in September, Joe went off to secondary school. I was obviously very keen for him to have as much independence. Um, people came around me to pray for the transport that would pick him up from home, take him to school and then bring him home. So friends stood with, stood with me in prayer and we got the bus, which was great. Um, but then I'm home at quarter past four, but Joe's home at quarter to four. So again, faithful friends have come around us and are at home for about 30 minutes till I get home, which Joe really loves. Do you get time just to hang out with people or is it just practical support? Um, no, lots of friends. Um, when Joe was six, Torchbearers had a midweek group. Um, I dropped him off at Castle Point and Emily was very much, well, where's my friend? So I was like, oh, what can we do? And I thought of the Haycrafts, who live around the corner, her friend Eli, very good friends. Um, felt very comfortable just to kind of knock on the door, knowing that if it wasn't convenient, they would happily send me away. But thankfully, it was very successful, and we are still going to dinner on a Tuesday. It's been about five years now. <laughs> so you've given us some examples of how this community has been able to respond to your needs. But obviously, when you belong to a community, it's also about what you're able to contribute. So, I mean, we, a lot of us experienced what you've been able to contribute. But give us a couple of examples of what your family have been able to give back. Um, one of their kids' love is pets. And we've had the pleasure of looking after Lucy the dog, which I'm sure many of you have had as well. Um, and then um, we've also been able to have Eli stay over when Paul and Joe maybe have gone to leaders' um, meetings. house trained? <laughs> of course, <Great>. yes. <laughs> Thankfully. 
So it sounds like it's been pretty smooth being part of this community, just easy all the time, would, would you say? <laughs> Um, I think when Jamie posed the question, I was very keen to kind of say I'm a very positive person, but wanted to kind of really clarify that this is a choice. Um, sometimes it is easy, but other days it's not so easy. So it's very much that faithful God. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. Thanks. Right, Deb's our second person, giving us some, some insights. So, Deb, last term you invited some of uh, the parents and carers to join to do a Parenting for Faith online course, which is delivered by our friend Rachel Turner. Now, those that don't know, Rachel Turner has a real gift for inspiring parents who feel discouraged uh, with their efforts to lead their kids to, to a relationship with God or by the results not happening. Was there any evidence that our parents got inspired again? Yeah. I mean, we all had a great time. Who can not have a great time? Um, <clears throat> listening to, to Rachel, it just helps you feel like, okay, this isn't like a really big, difficult thing for me to start to just drop into conversations, stuff about how I love God. <coughs> So giving like a window into my relationship. Um, I've had parents say, yeah, well, that's challenged me to, to be a bit more open with my own walk with God and how I process things and how I do stuff. I think as a church, we've talked a lot about chat and catch, but Rachel Turner's stuff is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. It's about... Um, a relationship, a walking relationship that you have with your family, mm -hmm. that means that you can ride the waves of what your kids are talking about. Maybe, um, you know, some parents have said to me, oh, I've, uh, the whole thing about me getting in the way between my child and God, has re I've really been helped to just step back and, uh, and like, let let the child answer the question themselves almost, like pose the really difficult question about what they think and then just walk with them in a more relaxed way rather than, right, this is my opportunity to bring God. It's more like we're all just living. We don't, we don't teach our kids manners by thinking, oh, I've got to teach them to say yes, please. It's just a thing we do. And I think the thing about parenting for faith is not about being condemned. It's about, this is my love relationship with Jesus. How can I be open to just let my kids see that? Mm -hmm. Not like a little thing that happens on a Sunday, but it's the thing that I journey through the week with. Good. Thank you. I don't know if that answers your question. Near enough. Um, so... So parents were, were able to leave this course thinking, you know what, I can do it. There is something, uh, there's, there's something I can offer here. Mm. Um, so we've said from this platform before a number of times that we want to see God reveal his love and sense of adventure that he has for our families. That will be so inspiring for our parents that they'll say, you know what, I, I want to lead my family into this. I want to lead them out of the trenches into the, the adventure that he has. Any sense that parents were seeing things differently in regards to that? 
Yeah, I mean, we had a variety of people, not just parents on the course. Um, and one of those adults who wasn't a parent just said, do you know what I've realised? I don't have to have it all together. Mm. You know, this is a journey that I'm making with these children that I interact with. And um, I don't have to be the perfect person. We can journey together. And if I don't understand or know what they're asking, the answer to their questions, we could look it up together or we can, you know, I don't, it doesn't have to be that I've got all the answers. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I mean, think to yourself, when you've got a question, it's annoying sometimes when someone tells you the answer. <laughs> Just think, yeah. <laughs> I like to think about it myself. I like to decide yeah. and ponder it myself. And I think that's um, a lot of the parents have said, just stepping back, mm. just saying, well, what do you think? Yeah. And then unpacking some of the stuff. You know, and at the heart of it, we as parents, as friends, as adults, our knowledge of God, if, if a kid says, blah, blah, I'm going to, like, kick my friend, we can say, no, I'm not sure that that's how God would have it, because that's not the God I know, mm. sort of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's not really complicated. Great. Thank you very much, Debs. You can go back to children's work now. I think one of the things that um, Debs was saying that, that excited me was parents and carers saying, you know what, I've kind of let my kids get on with their lives, but now I'm thinking, no, I've, I've got a role here. There's something I can do. And what she was just describing, that sense of, wow, God's got an adventure for them that I get to be part of and I, I get to witness and see and at times input into. Um, I won't tell you that other story. I think the other person needs to tell you that one. Right, uh, Dan, come tell us about your story. You've not got questions. Good. I was worried. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> get up a bit. I, I suppose I'm going to start a little bit with context um, and the way our society is. What I came across yesterday was about atomization, everything being pulled down to small bits and separate, and everything being separated. separated. And I think that's part of the thing that I've been struck with, how we are... Again, again, us as adults, as young people, we're pushed to be living very individualized lives, separate choices, separate, um, everything's separated, and everything is really against the corporate, it's all focused on the individual. And as it's the spirit of, of the age, it's not only out there, it's alive and well in us as well. It happens when someone says, hey, why don't you do this? Don't you tell me what to do. <laughs> You know, those kind of things are really strong, and we see those particularly as parents. And so we've been chewing on those things. I think someone showed a picture a, a few months ago of a family sitting down to watch a film together, and everyone had their own device. They're watching their own thing. So you don't even have to negotiate anymore and work those kind of things. And I, I just think that stuff is so detrimental to us as families, uh, detrimental to society, and we're, and we're reaping the benefits or the, the problems of all that kind of thing. And it leads to a self-preservation, and it leads to anxiety. I think so much of our anxiety is to do with this self-focused thing. Um, 
and then and then in terms so that's the kind of context we see happening and then in terms of in terms of our youth provision here we saw there's some pressures here and as a parent I can't wait I can't just sit around and wait for things to work their way out my kids are getting older they're coming through a time so I felt we needed to do something so we felt this strong sense I, I I've been looking at a whole thing about as a parent as a father being a priest and what that means uh, it's not very complicated, but it is a thing about pointing towards God and seeking him. But then that strong sense of coming together. So we had this sense of the Acacia Grove. That's where the children of God gathered, uh, the children of Israel gathered to go into the promised land and no one was left behind. And Acacia is really important because the Acacia tree is what they made the Ark of the Covenant about. And that's the thing we keep coming back to again and again and again. Unless God goes with us, it's not worth. So we want presence, but we want togetherness. So those are things that really came together. And then that sense of, for us, it was a sense of let's bring the young people together with a mission, with a purpose, with a project. Um, and like, like all of those, all the best adventures, we don't know what the end is. We've just got the first step. And so partly what we've been doing, of course, uh, many of you will know, is we're bringing young people together to do up the, the old printer shop opposite Life, Lifeline House as a venue for them to be involved with. But that's not the end. That's just the, the means, that's just the process. And we're seeing that exciting things. I've got lots of great photographs of young people gathered around, uh, some, some of the, the guys in the church apprenticing in, you know, this is how you hold a drill, or this is how you do these things. But my expectation is we're going to go on from the practical to be passing those different life lessons, those different things of God that we've got. Kind of some of the stuff that Debbie was saying there, that sense of coming together. So that coming together being absolutely important and, and submitting to one another in that sense and apprenticing being really key. We expect that as we come together, as we do things, that we're going to see the presence of God. So kind of out of nowhere, we've also had a time of waiting on God and we've seen some really exciting things, a real hunger in our young people that, to be honest with you, we didn't know was there until we started saying, let's, let's wait on God and we're seeing people touched in that way. So can you see the elements in that, that what I'm teaching today is describing what God is already doing rather than trying to initiate it? Um, Miro. So, Mira, you haven't been part of us for 20 years. How That's long have right. you been part of us? Uh, eight plus years now. Okay. So, you and your family moved over from Abbots Langley because you preferred the, the trees here. Yeah, yeah. lovely, lovely. It's you, very picturesque. You, you were drawn to Dagnum because you were looking for something. Yes. What had you been looking for? Uh, the lovely churches at many different places. What I think was very specific that we really appreciated, it was the sense of God's presence as we gathered together. And when the meeting was over, the life in the church was not over. People would go into their houses and would bring others with them. So I remember when we started coming, it was not just the meeting here, but we would go and spend time with uh, the Jones, with the Novembers, and uh, really this strong sense of um, people living together, connected with relations. So that was great. So you, you hungered for that expression 
of church that you, that you often talk about in, in, in Acts, the early church, where people express love through serving, caring, spending time together, uh, worship, learning and surrendering to God together. You've found a kindred spirit here, but your quest still is going on. How are you currently practicing this type of community that you've longed for? Yeah, so it was amazing that uh, when we first came, we found a place where we can be ourselves and belong, really. Didn't have to be something different. We Bulgarians, after 10 years in, in this country, uh, for the first time, having local English friends. So that for us was, wow. Uh, these people here are kind of a different breed. And, uh, uh, and it felt we can belong here, really. Uh, and uh, God really deepened that uh, passion in our hearts over, over the time. And uh, God showed us uh, what we felt is we, 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 get, we met once. Uh, we were encouraged to meet uh, hate crafts and Farujas. And uh, we got together, shared our hearts, and it turned out that we both, we all, all these three families have common hearts, common uh, passion to spend more time together, uh, to share our lives together. Not just the older people, but also involve the youth uh, and get the whole families together, really. So we when, said, when, you, when you tried to put that in your diary, you, yes. put, you had to put a name on it when, when you guys met together. And I was saying, God, what is this going to be? So I'm now deciding what words to put in my diary. What is this event? And I felt God is telling me family together. And I put that family together because it's the whole family and not fragmented, as Dan was saying, but we are together. Uh, and I felt also he's saying, with Christ at the center. So when, when they meet, different ones of them take the... So they, they meet and they eat together. Different ones in the families will lead the discussion or the Bible study together. But is it just a meal and a Bible study? What, is that, does that sum it all up? It's part of it. But what I think we really uh, uh, want is to have this, uh, these true connections, relations, walking together, living together. So it's not just the time when we meet together. We actually, uh, Josh comes over and spends time with Derena planning their trip to Sierra Leone. Uh, recently we had uh, Noah, bless him, he had an injury, uh, hurt his knee. So here is Joel coming over and Mara making a uh, cleaning Dress, dressing the wound. wound. Uh, yes, and, and so I think it's just it becomes natural. It becomes family, but it's not just my family, but is now expanded into three others, uh, and I I love that. Great. We all love that. Thank you very much, Mira. So. It, in those those stories, yes. There might be Bible study. There might be times of worship together. But, it's, but it can't be co confined to just that. These are lives lived together 
overlapping, and that sense of discovering Christ in the process. So those four examples are things that we were hearing kind of bubbling up from the ground, from all over the place. You probably have some expressions of these going on as well. And when Miro was talking to me, he said, we're on a journey, we're discovering what this means. Are we there yet? No, there's, there's further to go, but we are enjoying where God is taking us. And that's part of the great project. This is one of the things that God is doing with us. So I think we're, we're looking at a connectedness to the spirit. I think God is going to be speaking to us about, look, you could do this one thing for that person. You could show love, show an interest, have an active listening that you can invest in other people's lives. It might be you're painting a room or trying not to drill through your own hand when you're working with Daniel. Um, and while you're doing that, you're asking, what was God up to you in your life? It doesn't have to be in a Bible study that we talk about these type of things. So how do I respond to the battle cry in regards to households? Well, in a battle cry, the first thing is yes. It's not a time for negotiating. If the commander says, ah, attack, you go, ah, attack. So, yes, Lord, this is what you're doing. I want to be part of it. There has to be a willingness to be open and vulnerable. It's very difficult for someone to know what's going on in your life to be able to support them, to be able to support you if you're not willing to tell them. If you want to keep all of the bad bits of you locked up at home and you just want to take the nice uh, presentable bits out, you won't discover real relationship. Allow yourself to be loved in everything that's you, not just the nice bits. There has to be an intentional overlap. It might mean on a Friday night, oh, I just want to sit back and have a beer, but... Daniel and Mark are saying this is an opportunity for us to get involved with our kids. All right, let's go. That's, that's intentional. That's a decision. Laura said, sometimes it's well easy. It's the thing that you most want to do. Sometimes it's not the thing you most want to do, but because God has led the charge, we say, yes, Lord, this is what we're choosing to do. And I think there's got to be a willingness to be led by him. This isn't about your preference not about who are the people that most easily slip into your personality, because not all of you slip into my personality. So I've got to be willing to adapt to be around you as much as you've got to adapt to be around me. But if it's what he's saying, he's going to give me the love and the grace and give you the love and the grace to be able to stomach me. So, God's calling us with a battle cry to respond. He's put a great project before us. We've looked at one of the pieces of the puzzle that we understand today. Households together with Christ at the center. How are you going to prepare your heart so you're able to respond? Can I leave you with that question?
thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk.com.